All right, let's pray. Father, uh, we are gathered here because you promised to be with us when we do. And we love to fellowship with you, God. We love the fact that we actually get to share our life with you. And we know because of Jesus that you want to share your life with us. And that's eternal life. So God, we're here tonight because somehow you say that when you gather together, I will be there. And so we are so grateful that you're here and that you love us, that your spirit is present. You love every single individual that's sitting in here and you love us corporately. So God, I, I pray that your word now would come to us and do what it can only do, how it can go right to the depth of our core, how you can speak to each one of us deeply and intimately, and you can speak to us corporately about what it means to be your body. So Lord, by the time we walk out of here, I just pray that you would infuse us with power and grace and love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And y'all look good. This is sweet. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so here's my question for you. I was thinking about this today. When was the last time that you wanted something so desperately that nothing was going to stop you from getting it? When was the last time you wanted something that bad? So desperately that you, you were going to do anything you could get it. I thought about it for quite a while. I was, I was surprised and bummed that I had to think about it for so long. It made me wonder if I need some more desire in my heart. But then I thought about it, uh, it actually wasn't very long ago at all. And before I tell you my story, I actually need to introduce someone to you. Um, we have a new hire at K2 The Church in our youth ministry department. Uh, her name is Chloe Sadiq, and I think she's way over here. So Chloe, stand up. This is Chloe, everybody. Um, she moved here uh, from Arkansas to marry a young man, Naman. And uh, Naman has actually lived here in Salt Lake City. And Chloe, they got married at the beginning of June. And when she saw that she was going to get married, she checked us out and saw that we were looking for a youth position. And man, she's awesome. She is awesome. So I want to tell you, make sure you get to know her. And now that you've seen who she is, she better like be here, the last person here, because of all you welcoming her, all right? Bring her in. So anyway, we had, we had her and Naman over last night with another couple. And, uh, and uh, at the end of the night, we were, you know, wanting some dessert. And then I suddenly realized, I remember when I wanted something so bad <laughs> that I was going to get it no matter what. And so, I don't know about you, but we have a favorite dessert place here. We take anybody who comes from out of town, and uh, it's called Nielsen's Frozen Custard. There, there should have been way more. Was that you, Mariah? See, all right, yep, see. But it was, it was amazing, because we had, and what was so funny is, and as soon as we thought about that, it's like, we need to take Chloe to Nielsen's. It's like, yes! And all of a sudden, there became, I wanted something so desperately that nothing was going to stop us. Not even pulling in. Do you guys know the one right there on 39th in, in, like, uh, in, in Highland? You know, the, the, the parking lot's about as big as this table right here. 
and, uh, and we pulled in and there was this long line of cars and we got in and we're not moving, we're not moving, we're not moving. And I'm getting really ticked. And I'm like, you know, we're, we, we just gotta go. And then people started coming in from the other driveway and cutting in front of our line. Can anyone say carnal? Flesh. Can anyone say it didn't matter, I wanted it so bad, we waited as long as we needed to to get it? Well, that's where we're going today. This is really interesting. 1 Corinthians 14, where this is the last message in spiritual gifts. In chapter 14, verse 1, Paul says this. Follow the way of love, which is what Derek just spoke about last week, right? A whole chapter on love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire and that word eagerly desire is like, it means a bubbling up of boiling water inside of you. It is a zeal and a fervor that's like, like I just talked about. I want this so bad. What's he say to eagerly desire? He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual. The spiritual. Or you could say eagerly desire, long for, bubble up the spiritual. Things of the Spirit. Why is Paul saying, you guys, you should, be, you should be longing for this. You should be longing for the Spirit. You should be longing for spiritual things, the Holy Spirit of God to be working inside of you. I think it's because Paul had tasted Nielsen's. <laughs> See, like once we had had Nielsen's, it's like we got to take everybody to Nielsen's. And he had tasted being filled with the Spirit of God. And he had discovered what his gifts were. He found out why he was on the planet. And he's like, when you surrender your life to God and you, the spirit of the living God who created the universe, who's perfect and holy, inhabits your being, you are given, right, a gift. This is what we've been talking about. He goes, and when you use your gift, it, you find your life. And you realize it's not about you. It's about this body. It's amazing. And so he's like, you guys, Come on, man, this, this, this evening, my hope by the end is every one of us should be bubbling up inside and saying, man, I must know my spiritual gift and I must use it. That's what Paul's saying here. Now, you know what's cool? If you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Christ, I just think, as I was thinking about this, I thought, how cool to be able to tell you tonight? Because a lot of people want to be spiritual. I, I, I hear that a lot. It's like, I'm not interested in organized religion but I, I am spiritual. Well, I just want to tell you, there is nothing more spiritual than the real, true, honest Christian faith. There's nothing more spiritual. It is supernatural when it's lived the way it's supposed to be lived. And for all of us who believe, are our lives spiritual? Is your life spiritual? Is it supernatural? Are you experiencing the power of the Spirit of God who rose Jesus from the dead. See, we can so easily slip into believing in Jesus, and we do. That's why you're here. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> you wouldn't be here, right, unless you believed in him. But we can believe in him and then just get caught up living just pretty normal lives. Paul's like, uh-uh. Don't you dare settle for that. You were created for something so much more. Eagerly desire the things of the Spirit. Whoa. He's here. All right, now let me read you the five verses we're going to go through tonight. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire 
and this is what you'll read in every version and you'll see why, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, are some of you excited? You're sitting there going, you're going to teach on prophecy in tongues? Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Here's what's going on. In the church of Corinth, they were, they were overly abusing the gift of tongues. They, they, they thought it was the super gift. They thought it was you were more spiritual, you were more prominent if you had this gift of speaking in tongues. And, and then they, it was really being abused in the service. And Paul was just like, hey, listen, there is a gift of tongues, but you guys are out of control. And I need to help you understand what's actually more important. Now, obviously, that's not our gift, our, our issue here, right? <laughs> that should be funny to you who go to K2. Um, I, I, I haven't seen, you know, uh, all of us busting out in the gift of tongues and, and uh, stuff here. So I'm going to spend most all my time talking about the gift of prophecy tonight because it's the gift we're supposed to eagerly desire, especially prophecy. And then with whatever time I have left, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll teach you quickly through the gift of tongues. Um, but here's the, here's the point. If you've, if you've been in the church at all, these are probably the two most controversial gifts that of any of them who are listed. There are so many different opinions on this. You know, there are different churches. There are churches who shouldn't, you shouldn't, who, oh my gosh, there it is. <laughs> it's happening already. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, there are some churches who feel like you shouldn't be doing that at all. And there's other churches who say, if you aren't doing it, you're not even saved. I mean, it is goofy, all right? And when we get into prophecy and tongues, it's, it's because it's, it's actually a spiritual thing. All right, here we go. What is the gift of prophecy? It is a spoken word which God lays on the heart of one person to be shared with another to encourage them. That's what it is. It's a spoken word. Someone speaks a word which God laid on their heart to be shared with another person to encourage them. So God gives, sometimes it's an insight, sometimes it's a picture, sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's a scripture, sometimes it's a dream. And, and I will say, it's not, thus saith the Lord, like it was in the Old Testament, which it was. That prophetic gift was. And I'll explain that later. It is a, so beautiful, you guys. It is a personal touch from the Lord to a person's heart to let them know, I see you, I hear you, and I care for you, and I'm with you. And he lets us know that because he lays it on another person 
to share it with them. So here's a difference here in the Old Testament, because there were very specific Old Testament prophets, but look at what happens in the New Testament. The church began and the Holy Spirit came upon the people. It's a prophecy from Joel chapter 2 of the Old Testament. Here's what it says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. What? Now, if you were Jewish, you were like, whoa, 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 what? When? Servants? Sons and daughters? Yes, it is a new day, and the Holy Spirit has come on us, and you will prophesy. Now, how should this gift of prophecy be used? And here's what I really believe. You guys, we need to long for, the, for a gift to love. That's why he said, man, it, when he starts off in 14.1, follow the way of love. It is a gift to love. So how should the gift of prophecy be used? If you have a, gift, have a word that you feel like God has laid on you that you're supposed to share with somebody, it's always, without, with, it's always with love, right? We, we heard last week, 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If I have a gift of prophecy but do not have love, I am nothing. Nothing. So it needs to be used with all that love is. And what is love? Now we know what love is. You lay down your life for another person. So it's not about you at all. It's a, it's, a, it's a laying down your life to lift someone else up. It's always, listen to me, always for the benefit of the other. And then all the qualities of love should be involved. There should be patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, humility, because love is not proud and it's not angry. That's why so we were hanging out with some new friends you know, last night, and they were, we were talking about, uh, and Chase just said, man, I, I don't have a problem with people who don't believe. It's the, it's the people who do believe that are these, like, people who stand on the street corners and just yell at everybody. And I want to tell you, man, you read this and you just go, yeah, what are you doing? There's, there's no love there. Shut up. That's the, that's the Nelson version of Scripture. Right but I mean, seriously, without love, you are nothing. So how should this gift be used? Always, always with love. 1 Corinthians 4.3 says this. The one who prophesies speaks to people, listen, for their encouragement, I mean, for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. Those are three beautiful things. Isn't it cool, you guys, that God actually wants to strengthen you? He wants to build you up. He wants to encourage you, and he wants to comfort you. And he wants us to do that. He wants to use us as the vessels to do that. The word strengthen is literally the word that just means to build. It means you build something. So mean, in other words, if you, have a, if you have a word of something you feel like God wants you to share with another person, it's actually supposed to build them up. The word is edify. It means to grow. It means I'm helping you get stronger in your faith. And this is where a word can be rebuke or corrective. Okay, it doesn't mean that every prophetic word is, hey, you're awesome. Sometimes you're not. And somebody needs to tell you that. Sometimes, does God ever tell you that you're not awesome? Now, does he ever condemn you? Louder. No. 
okay? And this is super important. <laughs> Because if you do see something and you feel like your God is asking you to be the word that's supposed to help someone else grow and strengthen their faith, but they are, their, their faith is getting destroyed and it's falling apart, then you gotta make sure, again, that it's about love and I'm doing this to build you up. Second word, it's to encourage you. So God wants to encourage people. He's gonna give you a word to do that. That word literally is the word that comes from paraclete, which is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. That word, you guys, means to draw to one's side. When you encourage someone, it's like, come here. Come here. And I, you know what you're saying? I'm with you. You've got this. Right? Man, all of us who are parents have done that with our kids. Come, come on. I'm with you. You've got this. But you know what's so cool? Is when God wants to let another person, what does God want to let people know? He wants them to know I'm with you, and you've got this. And when a person uses the gift that's from the Spirit, the Word, when someone hears it, it actually helps them to feel the strengthening of God, not of the person at all. That's pretty amazing. And then to comfort. This word means the ability to calm and to console. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. How many of you have ever needed a word like that? And God knows you need that word. Man, sometimes he lays a person on your heart, doesn't he? You ever had, how many of you guys have ever had, you're just sitting there in your day or whatever, and all of a sudden somebody is just impressed upon your heart. How many of you have ever had that happen? Did you know that God, through the Holy Spirit, was letting you know, I need to love on somebody? And they can't hear me. I need you to be my voice, to give them this word, to let them know it's going to be okay. Let them know I am with them. They don't need to be afraid. You guys, can you see why this is a gift to be eagerly desired, especially desired? The church needs to be built up. I do, you do. We need to be encouraged. We've got this. We can do this. We need to be comforted. And that's what happens when someone uses this gift. So we're supposed to long for this gift to love each other. You know, I have so many examples of this, which is crazy. I, you know, I don't want to spend the whole rest of the time, but I just want you to know this is huge for me. I have shared with you, I won't go into the details, but when I was at, at my church in Detroit, a bunch of stuff, had, I was doing youth ministry, so Chloe, good luck. Um, but I had literally got to the point where I felt like all I'm doing is messing up kids' lives. I don't feel like I'm helping anybody. And I'd gotten to the point where I was gonna quit. I literally was sitting in my office and I'm done. And the phone rings and this gal comes up and she goes, hey, and her name was Karen. She said, hey Dave, um, are you free today at all? And she goes, I just feel like I need to come and tell you something. And I said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, mean, I remember uh, she was a good friend with my roommate and my roommate, my roommate, My roommate and I were not getting along, and all I could think is now she's going to come and tell me how I'm screwing up his life too, you know. And she comes in and she says, you know what? She goes, you gave a message years ago. Now, this is another prophetic thing. She goes, you gave a message, and God spoke to me, and I completely changed my whole course of my profession. And I went into teaching because I knew that God wanted me to do that. 
See, I, and I told you this before when Steve Andrews, my lead pastor back in Detroit, said, you, you, you're a prophet. And I'm like, what? I've never thought of myself like that. But I do know that I pray every time before these messages right here, and I ask God to speak to you. And people will say, it's like you're speaking right to me. And I finally learned just to say, well, he is. But that's what happened. So anyway, Karen comes in. She goes, so you, I heard this. You said you, God spoke to me through your message. And she goes, and I kept feeling like I need, to let Dad, I need to let Dave know that. I need to let Dave know that. She goes, I was driving to work today, and God literally said to me so strongly, you got to tell him today. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And so she literally like got on the phone and said, I need to come talk to you. And she got in my office on the day I was going to quit God loves to write right till the 11th hour, doesn't he? And just let me know. It's like, I'm using you and you don't even know it. And that's how I want it. Man, there were some dark days here at K2. I was in a bad place. I was all alone at home. I was in a lot of tears. I, was in a, I wasn't going to quit. But man, I was just beat up. And, the, and I, I get the knock on the door. And this sweet person from K2 pops over. And they just said, man, I don't know what's going on. I was just praying for you this morning. And I just felt like God say to me, I got to come over. <laughs> so, so they just, they just listened. And, they, and then they had this word of encouragement to give to me out of the blue. And I just sat there with tears rolling down my face just saying, this is crazy. You guys, God uses the prophetic gift. All it is is the Holy Spirit putting on your mind, on your heart, another person who either needs to be built up and strengthened or encouraged or comforted. How many times, and this is my concern, how many times have I felt that prompting and didn't respond? Oh, man. I, just, I hope if there's anything that would happen after today is that we would leave today and we would be very sensitive to the Spirit and who he lays on our heart. God wants to use you. Eagerly desire that gift. Love. Long for the gift to love. You know, I'll be honest with you, I'm married because of the gift of prophecy. Susie didn't want anything to do with me. Well, maybe not that bad, but, but she had lost her dad. And she just felt like, and she was always holding me at arm's length. Let me get close enough to be at arm's length, but that's about as close as she let me. And she, but we were falling in love, totally. We knew we were going there. And she got to the point where she just said, she goes, I don't know if I can do this because I don't think I can marry a man without my father's blessing. She needed her dad to say, this guy's good for you, Suze. So she's sitting there, her pastor calls out of the blue and says, hey, can I come over? He pops over to her house. He says, hey, I just want to let you know that when your dad died, he goes, I began to always see you as my daughter. And I've always sensed that God was calling me to care for you in the sense of a father. And so when David came and visited, I just want to let you know, man, I was looking at him through a father's eyes. I could feel it. And then he said to her, and I just want to let you know, that you're, I just feel like it. you need to know that if your dad was here, he would tell you, Susie, this is a good man, and you can marry him. She received the blessing. God moved in Glen and spoke the word to her. 
Last one, because this one's a little different. When I was in California working on my master's, um, I, I had, I, it was a really, really tough season in my life. And I, I, the picture I had used is I feel like God had dug a hole through me and covered me over dirt. <laughs> and, and, and I've shared this here before. He just wanted to know, am I enough for you? I take away all your ministry, all your success, all that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, I had two friends from Detroit who were staying with me. So I was sharing with them about this word picture and this, the season that I'm in, and that I sense that, you know, because God says, if, if, if anybody bears fruit, he goes, I'm going to prune you, which means I'm going to strip everything away so you'll bear more fruit. And so I was totally t- sharing this with analogy with them. That next day, we went to church. And we went to the Vineyard Church in Anaheim. Anybody familiar with that church? Okay, three or four of you. Well, it's, it's a church that's very charismatic in its expression. Okay, more Pentecostal. T- definitely believes in the gift of prophecy. And the uh, huge, too. I mean, there were, there were thousands of people in this, in this auditorium. And the worship got done. And what they do is they allow people to come down in the congregation and to give words that they feel like God's laid on their heart. Now, they check them. You know, they don't just let anybody haywire, go nuts. So we're sitting there, and this woman got down, and she got behind the microphone, and man, you talk about someone reading your mail. She said almost everything verbatim that I had shared with my two friends. In fact, I was sitting there like this, and in my peripheral, they're all going. (laughs) Looking at me, and I remember, man, we got in the car, and they're like, what was that? It's a gift of prophecy. And you know what God wanted me to know? Yes, I have dug a hole, and I have thrown you in, and I have covered you over with dirt. Because seeds need to die so they can grow. He was encouraging me. This is a gift, you guys, worth eagerly desiring and longing for because it's a gift of love. Now, how else should it be used? With caution. It should be used with caution. And this is where it's different than the Old Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 21 says this. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast what is good. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, in a, in a public service like this, he says, let two or three people prophesy. That's it. And let the others evaluate what is said. That word means to judge it. So how do you take a word of prophecy? You have to take it with caution. Now, can I just tell you what, something? You didn't do that with the Old Testament prophets, right? Elijah didn't come down and share, share what you said and go, hey, guys, let's get together and figure out if, if Elijah's right or not. Okay, that should be funny. You guys know, you know, like in the Old Testament, I mean, prophets came and it was, thus saith the Lord. This is really different here, Okay. We don't test, we didn't test them, we didn't judge them, but that's how you're supposed to do it. So if a prophecy is ever given, man, I tell you. Now, right after the gift of prophecy is listed in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the gift of distinguishing between spirits is the very next gift. That means if there's gonna be a prophetic gift in this New Testament era where God can fill people with his spirit, then we gotta make sure that there's people who can be able to distinguish whether that was actually from God. Because I can tell you, as as many good stories as I can give you, I can give you so many bad ones. Oh, Lord, God, have mercy. Because I want to tell you what, I get to the point where I want to be like, ah. 
Here's what scares the crap out of me. Sorry I said that, but here's what scares me. When someone comes up to me and says, I have a word of the Lord for you. Oh, okay, well, guess you trumped me, right? I mean, it's like people will come and they have this thing and they just tell you. And it, man, I have so many things that people have told me that have never come true. I've had things said about me, about other people, and they don't. So, man, you have to be careful. But what can happen, and I think the enemy loves to do this false prophecy thing so that we will be scared of it and not let God speak to us. And then we end up despising the prophecies, and then we end up quenching the spirit. Because <laughs> the spirit of God actually wants to use this gift in our mix. So let me just say this. If you ever feel like God has laid something on your heart, that you are supposed to share with somebody else, do it with great humility. Great humility. Really, really, really great humility. Especially if it's one that you feel like is gonna be some sort of rebuke or correction or training. Man. And then, pray like crazy. Don't just have something come and go, okay, pray and just Sit with God and say, God, is this really from you? Get a sense, get a sense of peace and assurance that it is. And then, is it loving? Is this loving? Will it build the other person up? Will it encourage them and will it comfort them? And sometimes, you guys, if you're not sure, check with somebody else. Check with somebody. Check with somebody who's mature in their faith, who you trust, who's a very mature spiritual person, and just ask them. Say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing this. Will you pray with me? Because I want to make sure, right, before I go to tell anybody. And by the way, here's the other thing. Don't say, I have a word of the Lord for you. <laughs> Don't say that. Say, hey, you know, because this is what happens to me. I'm like, dude, I just want to let you know, I was praying. You came to my mind. And I, this is what I'm sensing. I just want to say, how are you doing? You know? And then we'll talk and I'll share. The people who have always shared with me, I've always done it in a very relational, kind, and humble, and loving way. All right? That's how we need to do this. If you receive a word from somebody, what do you do? You test the spirit of it. Did it build you up? Did it encourage you? Did it comfort you? Now, I'm not saying did it make you feel good, okay? Because sometimes God speaks and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> but can you tell? You can tell the difference between when you're being condemned by what somebody says and when something is said to you because you know it's like, wow, that's a conviction because I was in the wrong and they're right and they're getting me out of on the back path. That's a good thing. Did it, that's building you up. Did it build you up? Did it encourage you? Does it comfort you? And then if it is something you receive and you're like, wow, man, I just don't know what to do with this, then share it with a trusted, mature person who can help you test it and help you evaluate it because that's what the scripture tells you to do. Test it and then the people should evaluate it. So why is prophecy so to be especially desired, right? So we're supposed to desire the things of the spirit, the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Well, I don't know, just from what I just said. I think it's because it's a gift that God directly uses to touch another person's heart. In 1 Thessalonians, I already read this, but listen to this again. Don't quench the spirit. This is a gift of the Spirit. Don't quench it. And the very next statement is, don't despise prophecies. You know how we despise, or I'm sorry, you know how we quench the Spirit? <clears throat> when we resist and neglect the work of the Spirit. When you resist the Spirit 
and neglect him. It quenches him. And I just wonder again, like how much work of God is being left undone because we despise prophecy? Because we don't listen to it in our own heart when God wants to use us or because we've determined that's not anything that God does anymore. So, um, oh, okay, I didn't understand my own notes. Does anybody have the gift of interpretation? All right. All right, it's when we don't respond to God when he gives us a word to share, and it's when we don't receive the word that's given and act on it. You guys, that quenches the spirit. Don't do it. God is working. You guys, is this, is this exciting to any of you? See, I just think this is so cool to know that our God is alive and active and working and caring and loving every one of us in this room, and he wants to do it through us. Man, let's not quench the spirit. And apparently, the opposite of quenching is what? A raging fire. Man, let's get the fire of the Spirit of God building us up and encouraging each other and as we go. All right? So, there we go. That's enough. Prophecy is a way to love the church, and prophecy is a way to love the lost. All right, what is the gift of tongues? And I am just going to bust through this, okay? Because this is not the biggest issue. But what is the gift of tongues? In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came on the early church, when the church actually started, Pentecost is what it's called, and the Holy Spirit came upon everybody. Here's what happened, verse four. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment and because they, each one heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So on that day in Pentecost, God, through the Holy Spirit, it would be like enabling me to speak Japanese. Or my daughter wants to speak French so bad. She's gonna go, so she's going to go take French in college. Because, but if she, all of a sudden, the Spirit just enabled her, and she's like, wee, wee, you know, and just, and that was really bad. <clears throat> but he gave them the ability to speak the languages of all these people. Okay. I'm going to share with you, some people believe that that's the gift of tongues that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. I don't think it is, and I'm going to share with you why. Here's what I think the gift of tongues is. It's prayer or praise directed to God in syllables that are not understood by the speaker or the hearer. Let me say it again. It's prayer or praise directed to God and syllables that are not understood by the speaker or the hearer. Let me, let me, here's why I think that's the case. By the way, man, I've studied so many people, and some people I love and respect think this, that, that this gift is the languages, and many guys that I really respect think it's what I just shared with you. So this is why this is called a non-essential in the Christian faith. This is why we don't fight about this. This is why some of my brothers who I love with all my heart, we just disagree on this one. That's okay. All right, but let me share this. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. If anyone speaks in a tongue, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Well, the very purpose of the tongues in Acts chapter 2 was to speak to people. <laughs> That's what they were used for. But here it says this is actually to speak to God. They said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. It's like, hey, it was for them. 1 Corinthians 14, 28. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church 
and speak to himself and to God. So there's this whole issue of interpretation. In Acts, they were intelligible words that may warrant translation. But in 1 Corinthians, they are unintelligible words that need interpretation. Did you guys follow that one? Let me say it again. In Acts, it was intelligible and it warranted translation. But in 1 Corinthians, it's, it's very clear. These are unintelligible words and they need interpretation. There is no understanding without interpretation. That's not what happened in Acts. These guys were like, hey, I totally know what you're saying. But in 1 Corinthians, if there's not an interpreter, you're not supposed to even say it. Because it doesn't make any sense. That's why there is the gift of interpretation, right? In the list, here's the, you, there's the gift of, of tongues, and then there's the gift of interpretation, which is a gift of the Spirit, not, to, not a natural ability or something that you can learn. There was no interpretation needed in Acts, okay? 1 Corinthians 4.2. Indeed, no one understands them. <laughs> they utter mysteries by the Spirit. Well, in Acts, they immediately understood him. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. These are mysteries of the Spirit. This isn't German or Russian. There is no sense that Paul is envisioning someone being able to understand because it's their language. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, again, 14, 2. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. This is a gift that's spoken to God, and it edifies the person. But the edification in Acts was completely for those who didn't believe to come to faith. So you guys see the difference? So those are some of the arguments. As I'm looking at the scripture, I just go, wow. I think this is something different. But now let me tell you what they're not. They are not a sign that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? Now this is where I will get a little cantankerous. Because there are people who say you are not filled with the Holy Spirit unless you're speaking in tongues. Well, man, I know some wonderful people who walk with God in amazing ways, and they've never spoken in a tongue. They're definitely filled with the Spirit. That's the gift you get when you receive Jesus. They are not a sign of spiritual maturity, and they are not normative for all believers. I've been in a, I was in a church, y'all, and they tried to get everybody to speak in a tongue. Now, even Paul, later, he'll see, he'd like, I'd like everybody to do it. But man, I, I mean, people were drawing people up on the stage and try, come on, just start doing what I did earlier today. Just start doing that and practice it and make it happen. And that's not, there's no scripture for that. You don't try to get it. You don't try to make it happen. It's a gift that God gives you. It's just, it's a gift to you. And so, I, those are the places where I, I, I really struggle. And by the way, the scripture says what? Do all speak in tongues? What's the answer? No. <laughs> Do all prophesy? No. No. You're a body. Everybody's different. So that's really important. Please know, you are good. If you've received Jesus Christ, you've received the Spirit of God. It's a gift that comes with faith in Christ. Okay? All right. Apparently, what are the benefits of tongues? Because Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Well, apparently it must be a good thing. 14, 2, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. There it is. You build yourself up. Somehow it strengthens you. There is spiritual value to the one speaking in tongues. And if there would be somebody who could interpret it, it would be valuable to the whole group. It is. It edifies. And then he says, you're speaking to God. You guys... So what is this? This is, a, this is a communion that's happening. 
So of course it's a benefit. Anytime you're communing with God, there's a benefit that's happening. Here's the bizarre thing. And by the way, I'll just share with you. I have wanted to speak in tongues. I've actually, I'm like, man, listen, I'm like, listen, I want all of Jesus. I want every ounce of him. And if there's something else that would let me, help me to know him more and walk in more power, bring it. I've sat in a field one time in Colorado in the middle of the night in the rain. Come on, God. I laid down with people who have the gift and had them pray over me. Sorry. (laughs) That's not my gift. Okay, he didn't give it to me. But I know people who have it. And I know it's precious to them. And I know they have deep experiences of God. Here's what's interesting. Somehow, it is a communion with God by the means of the Spirit that bypasses your mind. So listen to this. 14, 14 through 15. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. But there's somehow God just goes, hey, I know the deep things in you. I know the things you don't even know. And the spirit inside of you knows them too. And somehow the spirit works in you and there's a connection that God has and it, you don't even know what he's doing, but he's going, somehow, it's, that's how I'm understanding this. That God's going right into the deep places of your heart. I'm like, can God do that if he wants to? Yeah, yeah of course he can. And how cool. There we go. How should the gift of tongues be used? Very quickly, easily, orderly, okay? First Corinthians 14, if anyone speaks in a tongue, anybody? Two, or at most three. Now, that's why, personally, when a whole crew in a room and everybody's speaking in tongues, I've just been like, what, why, what are you doing? One, two, three, stop. And you should speak one at a time. One at a time. And someone must interpret. You guys, that's very orderly. This is not a chaotic thing. This is not an ecstatic thing. Okay? So it's very orderly. And then secondly, it's private. Okay. It's private. Um, You're good, buddy. I love you. If the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or believers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? <laughs> I love that verse. Like, what are you doing? Are we trying to help people who don't know God get closer to God? And they're like, oh, I'm out. So do it privately unless there's an interpreter. And if someone can interpret it, then we're going to hear a mystery of God, that would be cool. Hey, if you have the gift of interpretation, seriously, I mean this with all my heart, would you let me know? I've met many people with the gift of tongues. I've never met anybody with a gift to interpret it. I, I would just, that'd be super cool. All right, so there we go, that's tongues. Now let me close by just getting back to Paul's main point and for us here at K2. Follow the way of love, you guys. 
and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Long for it so bad. Long for the gift of love. And when you long for something like Nielsen's frozen yogurt and you can get in your car and go five minutes, you just do it. So it, 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 and we need to long for this. Why? Why do we need to long for it? Because in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for us, with mercy and grace, rescuing us and saving us, and then filling us with his spirit, and then Jesus looking at every one of us and saying, I have one command for you now. What is it? Love. Okay, love who? Love one another. Love one another. And then he says, so this is how I want you to love one another. I'm going to give you a specific, unique gift for the benefit of everybody else. I saved you and rescued you to fill you with my spirit to give you a unique gift for the benefit of everybody else. And I just want to tell you, why do we gather here? We get together to remember what Jesus has done for us to remember his amazing sacrifice, to remember the forgiveness, to remember the eternal life, to remember he's living inside of me, to fellowship with him so that we can get caught back up on fire and remember, it's like, do we love each other? So I just want to tell you, once that becomes real, that's when you would just go, I need to know what my gift is because I want to love Christ's body. I want to love Jesus, and I do it by loving his body. I want to love Jesus by loving his bride. You guys, that's what we are. So can I just ask you, do you eagerly long, do you passionately desire inside of you the things of the Spirit? How many of you, don't even raise your hand. Here's your time. Just have this time alone right now with God. If you're not eagerly desiring the gift of the spirit that God has given you for the benefit of everybody else in this room. The first thing you need to do is go, okay, God, your teaching's really clear. I agree with you. Can we just do that first? I agree with you, God, that you love me and you filled me with your spirit and you've given me a unique gift that nobody else has and the body will never function fully until I use it, I agree with you. And then the next thing after you agree with him is then you change, you repent. That's, you change your mind, that's all repent means. I'm gonna change my mind today and I'm gonna say no more, no more. It's just going to church, okay. No more. No more is just, if me not being engaged and not connected and not using my gift, that is unacceptable apparently as a follower of Jesus. I'm gonna change today. I'm going for it. And then you take a step of faith. By the way, that's a cool little acronym I'm working on. ACT. Just ACT. Agree, change, and then take a step. So how do we eagerly, this is what I was thinking about, how do we eagerly desire this gift? It's a gift. I can't like force God to give it to me. But I can tell you this, man. When I was 11 years old and all I wanted was that hockey game with the little sticks for Christmas, that's all I wanted, baby. I cut out the pictures of Sears and JCPenney magazines, stuck them in front of my mom and dad. I let everybody know I asked for it. That's what I want. And I got it. <laughs> and Jesus says, how much more is your father in heaven desiring to give you the Holy Spirit 
if you ask him. Will you ask him? That's your step of faith. God, give me. Well, he probably already has. God, reveal to me what the gift is. I confess to you, I have not been loving you, Jesus, your body, your bride, but I'm going to start now. And again, I've told you guys, another step you can take is take the GPS assessment. Go to our website, go to our app. It's right on the front page. It's right on our app. If you don't, if you don't know, then another step of faith is I'm going to find out. I got to find out. I got to find the gift. I long for the gift to love. It is the greatest, apparently, because it's a great way to love. All right? So, band, come on up. And as they're coming up, I just want to pray for you. I just really want to pray for you. You guys, this song we're going to sing, that they're going to lead us in, says, change me from the inside out. Change me from in here out. This is a perfect song for today. God, do the work in me through the power of your Holy Spirit so that I will work out the gift that you've given me. This is what you're going to get a chance to worship him. Before they do, I just want to pray for you, okay? And if you want to, you know, the Bible always says, too, it's kind of weird we don't do this enough. The Bible actually always gives us physical postures we should have when we pray or praise or thank God. Um, because we're human, helps us. If you would like to, while I pray for you, if you would like to just put your hands out like this, I'm not even gonna make you go, okay? If you would just put your hands out like this and just pray with me as I pray for you, God, give me this gift. Give me the fire of the Holy Spirit. I don't wanna quench the Spirit. I don't wanna quench the Spirit. Give it to me. Ignite me. God, do it. Dad, come it. Lord, do this in us. Please, God. Make us new. Make us fresh. Make us vibrant. Make us alive with the Holy Spirit. God, this world needs to see you so bad. We need you so bad. We need to be encouraged and built up and comforted. God, we know this is who you are. You're the God who does these things. But you have chosen to do it through us. This is your plan through the power of your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ living inside of us. God, for every hand that is stretched out right now that's honestly saying, I agree with you, God. I hear your truth, and I agree with you that you have given me a gift of the Spirit. God, for every hand that's reached out right now that's just confessing to you and saying, Lord, please forgive me. I haven't been using my gift. I haven't been loving the body. God, for everyone who wants to change their mind today and repent from that, God, fill them right now. Empower them with the Holy Spirit. Just welcome them. Help them to remember that every time we turn towards you, you're that prodigal father that has a huge smile that just can't wait to listen to that prayer. And then, Lord, would you fill us and empower us to live it out, live it out, to use our gift, to be a body that's fully healthy and fully functioning and fully alive and fully glorious for this world to see Jesus. Lord, do that. I pray for it. I pray for everyone who's honestly praying this to you, God, that they will not be the same 
after today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and stand up, you guys, and let's worship.